Thank you. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. There's no business like show business. Oh, and away we go. Hello again, and welcome to the art and business of community theater, a.k.a. the Monroe Community Players Podcast featuring the Green Room Groupies. I'm your de facto host, David Ward. Looking around the green room, I see uh, Robert Yeoman. Carol Slifka. Ron Roberts. And so we're back together once again. You don't know this out in podcast land, but I think it's been like a year or two since we've I think so. <laughs> been together with anybody. Um, those of you who are wondering where Brian Burchette Ross is, is uh, he's feeling, unfortunately, a little under the weather. Um, so he will be back in a couple episodes uh, because we do do these more than one, one at a time. But So we're so thankful to have Carol back with us in the green room again. Thank you. And especially appropriate for today's topic, as you will all see, because of her background as an educator. <sighs> How have you all been? Good. I'm curious to find out what the topic is. <laughs> well, I just gave you a big hint. I just I, gave you a big hint. I, 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 no, I, I've just been listening to a lot of podcasts, oddly enough, and so I found one of the things that seemed to make the more, podcast more popular is when we the get or the host talk about themselves. Okay. So, so yeah. yeah, what have we been up to, Ron? You you, you grew a mustache since we last. I, I have. I have grown a mustache. Yes, uh, and it, it's lovely. It, it's it's for a show, uh, which. Depending on when this podcast drops, it'll be the uh, interactive murder mystery, uh, Murder in Maui, which Middle Community Players will be producing at the end of April. So be sure to check all your social medias there. Um, other than that, it's uh, uh, watching the Oscars last night, but I guess we'll probably talk about that later. We might. We might. We might. We might. But yeah, that, that's about it for me. Because apparently some of us have different opinions on, on that incident. So that's oh. mm-hmm. always fun. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> it's a joke, Bob. <laughs> um, anyone else been doing any shows lately? or Been working on Murder on Maui as well. Murder on Maui as well. And for the third time, <laughs> Murder on Maui. Yes, well, I have just finished an opus, magnum opus. That uh, No, I haven't done anything. <laughs> just pretty much after Twilight of the Golds, I've been uh, taking a little break. Um, oh, looking I, forward to directing a show, hopefully within a month or two, um, for those who don't know, our, our new space for community players has been renovated. So whenever that actually gets to a point where we can start doing rehearsals and stuff there again, um, we'll start doing our monthly shows, which I know admires or impresses the heck out of some of the people in the podcast community, at least, our friends down at Stage Door. Um, but, you know, we, we're just anxious to get back to it. So this interactive mystery, which is a whole interesting ball game. I don't know how many other groups out there do those. Um, but they're a lot of fun. So little script, <laughs> so much action, um, and so forward. much of the script not in the action. Yeah, um, but you know, you don't get much closer in terms of theater than that than mingling amongst the audience, um, which which is always fun. I was once in a murder mystery, uh, written by a, a friend of players, Dan Rowe. Um, Apparently, I was playing my part too well. People at my table didn't understand I was a character, <laughs> even as I kept dropping hints about what I was was doing and stuff. And and I wasn't supposed to be really revealed as a character because I was one of those surprise witness kind of things partway through. But it was like, you know, they're saying, "What's this about?" I said, "Well, what do you mean you don't know? You're here at the stockholders meeting of I'm a reporter with uh, Duke's Magazine, I think it was instead of Barron's." Um, but yeah, they they. Either they just weren't 
either I was just so good, so convincing, or, or they were just clueless. Um, probably the latter, but... <laughs> no, I'm sure it was your acting. Yeah. We had a similar situation when we were out at the uh, mill in Dundee when we did uh, uh, the last show that we did out there. Deadly. Deadly incentive, yes. Uh, the great Bill McCluskey and I um, were um, mistaken as security. We were we were <laughs> cops in the show, and we had our security ba- uh, jackets on, and they actually thought that we were there for security. They were like, no, we're, we're actually part of the entertainment. Maybe we should have stayed security. I don't know. <laughs> if I remember correctly, you did, you did thwart a robbery while, yeah, while there. That, so. that is true. Um, but didn't stop the murder, so and <laughs> that's a shame. <laughs> no. Regrets. Yes, but... Um, Interactive mysteries are, are a lot of fun. Um, we we won't be calling this one a dinner theater because, um, and usually you do them with dinner, but this will be heavy hors d'oeuvres and stuff. And for a first time for us, uh, non-alcoholic event because of limitations of the venue. Um, so it's it, we'll see. Hopefully people laugh just as much when they're sober. That only counts for the audience being sober. We don't necessarily know about the performers. We don't know what's going to happen beforehand. But but I think, yeah, um, a lot of good theater going on. We have some friends down in Toledo doing Our Town and uh, Middletown at the uh, Toledo Repertory Theater. Um, I know that uh, Pink- Pinkney Players, which is a little further afield for us, is doing the producers. We have a players member up there who's doing a show. Uh, I don't know if DAG is doing anything right now. Uh, Croswell's probably up to something. We haven't. Boeing, Boeing. Boeing, Boeing, mm-hmm. Boeing, 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 isn't it? It's, or no, just it's Boeing, like the Boeing. Boeing. Ball. Boeing. Okay. Or is it about the airline? B O E. Stop. Yeah, so it's I N G. It's like the airline. Boeing. Yes. Boeing. Yes. Okay. But that's point. Okay. Got it. I understand. It takes a while, but I get it. It's a joke. The, we like the show's title, I'm sure. <laughs> Not the show itself. The show itself, I'm sure, is delightful. So. Um, and uh, well, one of the things I've seen recently was a uh, uh, help to help support a new actress getting her start. Her first high school production. She's in seventh grade, actually. But the show was Sound of Music, a delightful production uh, by Napoleon Schools. Uh, this was my first cousin, twice removed, for anyone keeping score. And uh, uh, she, it was a, like I say, it was a, just a, a delightful production um, for Sound of Music. And I, I always forget. Sometimes, where movies and the plays deviate, um, and in this case, I forgot that the play really, really rushes through a few things that the movie doesn't. For example, the relationship between um, uh, what's her name, <laughs> Maria, <Trapp>. Maria, <laughs> only the star of the show and everything. Well, how uh, do you solve a problem like that? Yes, how do you solve a problem like that? But um, basically, where it goes in, hi, I'm. I'm uh, Captain Von Trab. Hi, I'm Maria. I'm in love. I mean, I mean it's almost that fast. It's, they they really didn't spend a lot of time on plot development, <laughs> and uh, some of the 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 movie actually has a couple of different jokes that I think work a little better that I enjoyed too. So, um, but anyway, which kind of put into my mind though, it's like here's a, a nice high school production. We've seen a lot of high school productions over the years, all of us, I'm sure. We have participated in high school productions. And the question always comes in mind, the relationship between community theaters and high schools seems to be sometimes, well, one, I think we should establish a baseline how important theater is uh, to education in general or the performing arts in general. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't know, Bob, you said you had looked up a couple things on this too, but I think we may know that um, uh, there are several studies which I could not refer to by hand, but that um, students who participate in the arts, especially the performing arts, mm -hmm. uh, so that would be your music programs, your theater programs, do better in math and science. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it is not just an ancillary kind of thing. It really is central to the development of the STEM curriculum. Or, or to the to that kind of logical mm -hmm. thinking, specifically between music and math. Yes, as opposed to just theater. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so again, it's that whole performance. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, the performance side of it, and musicals in particular. Then, mm -hmm. um, so 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 I think that's the first question. Is um, I, I know many of my actually my first introduction to theater was in the schools. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've shared the story where I well I shouldn't say that. My first introduction to theater was doing plays in the backyard, <laughs> um, as, uh, which we, me and my uh, uh, brothers and sisters wrote, directed, whatever, and then we actually even got the moms and dads in the neighborhood to come mm -hmm. watch us. The Billy Goat's Gruff, I think, was my magnum opus at that time. <laughs> um, I played the, the big Billy Goat, um, being the oldest, so, so that was good. Um, but, but, you know, formal theater was in the... Uh, in elementary school. Um, Bob and I, I think, wrote, or he did most of the writing on uh, Mission Improbable. Oh, yeah. Mission Unbearable. With Dr. E. Bill, and I am in litigation with Seth Meyer <laughs> still. <laughs> and the big joke was, well, you're putting all these pills in. No, they're not pills. They're M&Ms. There's no M's on them. I erased them. Where are the M's? <laughs> um Anyone else? Where did you get started with theater? Your first production? For me, it was the same thing. Uh, only we used the garage. At oh, the garage? Yes. And we would set up a stage and we would have chairs and have the other neighborhood kids. And if we could entice a parent or two to come in, um, we would do that. And, and I don't remember the shows, but I do remember the excitement. And we served popcorn and you know, mm, it was very mm, exciting. Mm. And then um, when I was in elementary school, during the summer, there was a program, and I, I've been trying to remember the name of it. I think it was like Stagecoach or something like that. And we traveled around to the different parks and put on shows. Now, I was never in a show. That was the older kids. And I don't quite remember what I did, if anything. But I know it was a big part of, of uh, my sister and I both took part in that. So that was my... I went to a Catholic school. They weren't big on theater. So... Not that that's a Catholic thing, just that particular school. Say, my goodness. <laughs> that, particular that particular school was not involved. Oh, so without in, getting into it, some, yes, some in, people uh, say the Catholics are, are really about theater. Yes, but, uh, well, they are. We're not going to go there. No. <laughs> so a little that's sim a different podcast. A little similar to Carol's, um, I went through uh, Catholic grade schools, and um, <clears throat> every fall and spring, when Monroe Catholic Central and St. Mary's Academy would do their show, they would do one show during the week for the grade schools to all come in. Mm -hmm. And so I vividly remember going to see like Hello Dolly, uh, Guys and Dolls and everything and sitting there thinking, my God, why would anyone ever want to do anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> right? And so then it came to then the alumni would do their big show every spring, which then we'd go see that. And again, I'm like, why are these adults all doing all these crazy things? Why would anybody want to do this? Well, once I got to high school, um, one of our drama instructors there, um, Joe Malia, um, was just such a uh, magnetic personality 
and he just made things seem like they were just they you had to be there to be, and it was just so interesting and i went to a meeting at one point in time and next thing you know here i am 30 years later talking to you about theater so yeah that's how it started but it was it was one of those things where you always joke watch what you wish for because it might come true and well here i was on stage so our my first time with that kind of thing was good man charlie brown the senior class was doing it and and I begged my parents to let us go again because they gave us a snippet essentially, at, you know, during the, the school day, and then uh, we went to see it afterwards. And it's still one of my favorite shows. Um, Bob, uh, of course, we, our history goes way back as since we went to school together. But <laughs> did you have theater before you got to the earliest one that I remember is with Cub Scouts in Wauseon, Ohio, and it was King Arthur's Court, and I dubbed. The Knights. Well, that's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> mm. Dad made me a sword out of wood. It was, it was heavy. I mean, heavy. It was blunt. So it was a blunt force trauma to the poor guy that I knighted. <laughs> but that was my first. I think I, my line was, Arise, Sir Galahad. And I wanted my applause. Fortunately, Mom came through. Good. There you go. As mothers often will. Rely on mom. Yep. Yep. And I, my daughter, her first show was Sound of Music. She played Gretel. Mm-hmm. She was in first grade. It was in the fall. This was back in the day when you didn't learn to read until like first or second grade as opposed to learning it in preschool these days. Anyway, um, so I remember just going over the script with her forever because she couldn't read. Well, consequently, she not only learned her lines, she learned everybody else's lines as well. So at rehearsals, because I always sat in because she was six, um, somebody would forget a line and she would give it to them. So that was uh, that was highly amusing. But I just I saw what a difference it made for her and for her confidence. And she was involved in theater all the way through uh, high school and did a lot of really interesting shows. And it just really um, I got to see firsthand what it did for those kids um, not just giving them confidence and being on stage and whatever, but the camaraderie within the cast uh, was really wonderful to see. And then when I started teaching, uh, she was in high school by the time I finished my degree, I was a late bloomer, and started teaching um, at middle school and got involved in uh, directing the theater group there. Uh, it just was uh, remarkable. I remember my favorite show I think I've ever directed was Honk, which is the story of the Ugly Duckling. We did Honk Junior course at uh, middle school. And there was a student who tried out for the show. And he was just so adorable, but there were really no parts for him. So I added a part, which I know is highly illegal, but, you know, it's been a few years. So there were a bunch of ducklings in the show, and they were like puffy and fluffy and pinky and whatever. So we named him, I named him Steve, the duckling. And, <laughs> and he, he was directed to always turn the wrong way when, and the other ducklings had to kind of take care of him. And it was just, it was like this running gag throughout the show. And he was hilarious. And then when he went to the high school, and this was something I think that he, he tried out for the show just because a friend did. I mean, he had no real interest in it. But by the time he got to high school, he was he was all in, and he was amazing. He did a wonderful job. So again, seeing the kids go from 
not having a clue what it's all about and what's going on to being so um, confident and self-possessed. It, it was really remarkable. And, well, and, and to, to speak to that, um, unfortunately it was at a funeral, uh, but one that I did not attend, but the, um, my sister did, and she ran into one of our old teachers. And he mentioned to her how pleased he was that I had gotten into this theater thing because he thought it just did tremendous things for my confidence and, mm-hmm. and ability because I was so shy. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought, well, maybe it's something my brother he's talking about. What? <laughs> you? <laughs> um, but, but, you know, he, he clearly was remembering me. So, mm-hmm. so that, that's, but, you know, so another educator has seen the same thing. Yeah. Um, and the other, when I, when you told me what we were talking about today, the other thing that came to mind was, um, I had a student not that long ago in high school, and she tried out for a play, and I was trying to remember if it was her junior or senior year, um, but it was a musical, and boy, she could sing about as well as I do. So, unfortunately, um, <laughs> didn't did have... not sing that badly. Oh, I've well, heard bad on. singing. No, I've heard bad singing. Okay, well... He did anyway. say that badly. <laughs> yeah, that badly, yes. He didn't sing your It is all relative. I'm not... Just saying. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. As Beverly Crusher would say, I think we can fix that. Okay. Thank you, Bob. In any case, there was not a part for her um, in the show. So she asked if there was something she could do backstage. Well, of course there is. So I made her the stage manager. She was a very bright student. She was in my AP class, I believe. And um, she just fell in love with it. And like I said, I think it might have been her senior year, but junior at the earliest. She went to when she went to college. She majored in um, theater in management, and she is now uh, working in St. Louis. No, St. Louis is it? Oh gosh, I should look this up. I think it, it's either St. Louis or Nashville or something like that as a director of a, a children's theater program. Wonderful. That's so great. you know, made a career out of it. So it just is. I'm just so tickled that that's you know that's the way her her. Uh, her career went, and, and she's very talented in that regard, very organized, very on top of things, very responsible and whatnot, so it was a perfect job for her. Excellent. That's wonderful that it's to hear about somebody who actually takes what they learned. This sounds really patronizing now. <laughs> the, that they took what was a weakness and made it into, into a strength and followed them throughout their career. That's just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very proud of her. She just is really um, doing great things with it. Yeah. So well, it's not just the being on stage part was my point. Right. Well, and you, like I say, you never know what what effect you'll you'll have. You know, Ron, you know, 30 years later, here he is talking about theater. Um, you never know what that one little little thing that you might give a give the child when they're they're young, um, how that will impress them and go on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can all tell stories about. People we've known that have gone on and uh, made theater that have come out of our community theaters, they've come out of high school programs, they've come out of everywhere. So, so then that the question comes in with so many schools, even in this day and age, still cutting back on programs. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my thinking is, what do we as other theaters, like community theaters, do we have an obligation to help high schools and such when they don't have theater programs? You know, where, where is that line between, hey, we, 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 when do we come in and say, let's, let, it, let us help develop the, the children's theater? Is it the children's theater? Is it doing more youth theater for high schools? Is, is it something else? And on the ver- reverse side, 
at what point do we say our school has a great theater program we're not going to cater to to the teenagers and to the um, elementary students because we are going to do stuff that we want to do as adults um, uh, we've we've seen I've seen examples of that frankly even up at the state level with uh, some of the festivals Bob and I were talking about this you know where high school groups will come in and do wonderful jobs but it's like is you know the high schools have their own levels of competition and other things should they really be at the community theater festival mm-hmm. and this this is usually a it's not an official topic of discussion, but it always comes up, um, you know, because they, they frankly are performing at a different level, sometimes better, sometimes worse. But, you know, we as community theaters, we have different constraints than a high school group. They generally have more time to put their thing together than we do mm-hmm. um, just because of the nature of the life of a student versus the life of an adult with a job or two and, and having all those other responsibilities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, so that's where I'm tossing it out there. Um, we, we in community play, mineral community players have always had some sort of children's theater aspect to our seasons in general. I like to think, though, that we tend to tr- towards doing theater for children versus doing ch- theater with children. So ours is that introductory level. It's like, come see what's, how theater is done, and then hopefully they'll go explore theater on their own, then we'll see them, you know, in, when they're 10, 15 years down the road wanting to be anxious. And I'm not by any means, by the way, suggesting anyone should turn anyone away um, because there's always parts, it seems, for kids and for teens. But I'm just saying, should you be selecting shows based on that? Well, another thing to consider, too, is even if a school has a strong theater program, and I think here in Monroe, at both the high school and the middle school, we do have a lot of opportunities for kids. But it's generally after-school practice. And if the kid rides the bus... They have no way to get home if there's not a late bus, which in some cases there is, but a lot of cases there isn't. So that also prevents some kids to t- of taking advantage of being in a show that they might that they might want to be in. I remember one year I was doing a show, a kid really wanted to be in it, but didn't have any way home afterwards, so I wound up taking the kid home every day after practice, which you know I had no problem doing. It's just that if community theater also has opportunities for kids, then that's maybe a way to reach the kids who can't do it after school. Or they have sports after school. Maybe they play football Mm -hmm. and they have practice every day after school, but they want to do theater too. You can't do both. So community theater is a a nice way to make up that difference. But again, should the community theater, and and, there are some community theaters, frankly, that can do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure several in our state are large enough. Uh, your Grand Rapids, your Kalamazoo's, your Traverse Cities. Um, you know, they they have big theaters with robust programs that they not only do a full range of adult dramas and plays, but they do a full line of children's and youth theater too. Um, many that I can think of. You know, just kind of thinking of uh, Bay City. I know has a separate youth theater. It seems to me, if I recall correctly, you know, there's several where they have theater just for the youth. Mm-hmm. Um, which is in addition to what I know their high schools already have robust programs as well. But I think Carol's point is really valid. You, they, at some point, you've got to make a choice, whether it's going to be sports or other activities over theater, because without that choice, that's a major thing in life to learn, and it would have to be, well, 
For example, when I was in high school, uh, the, they normally had a, a junior and a senior play. And the one year it was Dirty Works at the Crossroads, which called for a Simon Bar Sinister type person flapping with black cape. Well, I, that's, they cast me in that, but the problem was I was a... I was a sophomore, and it was for the senior play, and there was a big brouhaha with uh, one sports team member who really wanted to do the, do the show, but demanded that all the rehearsals be around his schedule because football takes precedence, and there was the conflict. And it, it really boiled down to you make a choice, whether you're going to do football or you're going to do theater. You can't do both. I think it's something that has to be learned. Sometimes there's just choices you have to make. Mm-hmm. It's true, but then think about middle school kids. Mm-hmm. They, for the most part, they're still trying to figure out what, if anything, they're really good at. Okay, so you can't say, "Well, I'm going to sacrifice this for that," because they're not at the level yet where they know if it's something that they can continue on with. Well, I think that parents would have that kind of observation. I don't know. I don't know because I know that with my own kids in middle school, they each played, you know, three or four sports. And of course, my daughter's doing theater and, you know, so then as they got older, that's when they had to pick because like my daughter loved to play volleyball, but she realized that she wasn't good enough to be mm-hmm. good at it, to make it her to only make money thing. off of it. Well, not even that, but to really be at a level where she was going to get to play a lot and she could really contribute to the team. So that wasn't where her talent, but that wasn't something she figured out till she was around 10th grade. So then she felt comfortable dropping it at that point, knowing that she was never going to get to the, the level of expertise that was required to do well at that sport. So I think that at middle school age, especially, you're, and early high school, you're still trying to figure that out. So I think the more opportunities they have to do a variety of things, the better, the more likely they are to find something that they can really excel at as well as enjoy. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, maybe you're a really good football player, but you hate playing football and you're doing it because your dad wants you to or whatever. Do you think the whole play for pay or pay for play thinking involves in that too? We were lucky, well, I'm speaking for myself and probably for David, when we were coming up through, basically, if you wanted to do it, sign the paper. Mm-hmm. Now it's sign the paper, sign the insurance form. By the way, you have to buy your own uniform. You have mm-hmm. to buy your own new shoes. There's a usage fee. There's this fee. There's mm-hmm. that fee. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, fortunately for me, didn't come in until after my kids were out of school, too. My kids are old because uh, I'm old. But um, so we didn't. I didn't have to deal with that. But I I do know that there are lots of um, other ways to fund your tape, your playing. They have scholarships for some kids that uh, you know. But again, they're not going to if it's that you don't have the money and you're not a very good player. That I think would affect it. But if you're a really good player but you just don't have the money. I think that there's scholarship money, I'm making little air quotes, mm-hmm. um, that people will come up with in order to let that student play. Well, I think one of the things that has to be looked at <clears throat> is where does community theater fit into the whole theater piece of it? Right. 
um, it goes back to the school system to where the administration, the board of the school board needs to emphasize all extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. And I think community theater can be one of those braces for it. So for example, you know, you could be a partner, say the middle school or, or, or a local school needs help with set construction or they need help with technical pieces of it. Go to your local community theater. Say, okay, well, here's the list of our directors who we would recommend you talk to. I think that can be um, an outreach for community theater, not necessarily creating an entire program for kids. Well, now I, pre- I do think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you have to look at who your clientele is, who your customers are, and what your scope of as a group is. Like taking our group, for example, we skewer a little bit more older. And there are other organizations within uh, within the community that really have, have handled the the youth theater piece of it, and you know, like Spotlight Studio Devoe, who is a green room groupie, mm-hmm. she knows what she's doing when it comes to children's theater. Right. She's got that market. I don't want to say cornered because that makes it sound like competition, but she's really good at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, phenomenally good. She just did Bugsy Malone Jr. this weekend. Yep. Yeah. Um, so. From that standpoint, from a community theater, I think you really are more, to, to piggyback back on the sports piece of it, you know, what, one-tenth of one percent of kids go professional in sports? Well, it's mm-hmm. probably about the same in theater. Probably mm-hmm. less, actually. If even less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that this can be, we community theater can be looked at as, see, if you enjoy it, you can enjoy it for your life. It doesn't have to stop when they hand you that diploma, whether it be college or high school, that there are avenues for you outside of school. And to me, I, I, that's almost enough from my standpoint, that where that's where we are that next uh, extension, like the, 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 the adult softball leagues or the, the adult hockey leagues. Right. That's just what your next, gen, your mm-hmm. next step is. And that's, that's you know, our... our business is to put forward the best product that we can to show the young people coming up, okay, this is something I want to continue to do because it looks like it's still going to be fun. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting. It's the same message that once upon a time, I don't know, decades ago, I had the opportunity to judge one of the the high school competitions and and they had talkbacks afterwards with the judges. One of the things I always tried to stress because I was the only one there from community theater was there's always a place for you in theater. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it, it may not be on Broadway, but there is always a place for you in theater, um, even if you have to do Annie Senior, <laughs> like, <laughs> like our group would have the to Golden do. The Golden Girls Annie. <laughs> <laughs> How many walkers can we fit on stage? We did the walker <laughs> bit. Yeah, that, that was, I'm saying with every show. <laughs> oh. Grease Lightning is the name of my you know, oh, right. Well, you know, know, that brings up another thing that I've been wondering about, too, is that, again, coming from the, the high school theater uh, area where... We had tons of kids involved in theater, and we had, um, in some cases, we had more kids try out that we had than we had uh, even close to enough parts for them. We were turning kids away, and so what happens to them after they get out of high school? Yeah, I know they go away to college and whatnot, and some come back and some don't, and whatever. But why aren't we seeing young adults like you know college and and just out of or just past high school? In community theater, like when we did um, Twilight of the Golds, we had some mm-hmm. issues finding young people. Where are they? Are they just too busy for it? Do they not realize that we would welcome them with open arms? Are the shows wrong? I mean, there's 
I'm not saying there's an answer. I'm just wondering where are they to the point where I've thought about contacting some of the kids and saying, Hey, how come you're not doing theater anymore? Well, and, and I guess that could go into a tangent on, do we welcome them with open arms? Mm-hmm. For example, if they come in and they find out that David War always plays Daddy Warbucks, <laughs> are they going to try out again? And did by you, the way, just you so you Daddy know, Warbucks? a couple times, yeah. and I'll have you know, I've heard of yet another way. group, North Muskegon High School, I believe, just did Annie Jr., and I was not cast as Daddy <gasps> Warbucks, but I have decided, what you know, folks, oversight. just to your point... It is time to allow a new generation to take over. Mm-hmm. Wow, folks. So graciously. When graciously, you get too old to play Daddy Warbucks. That's they shave their heads anyways. <laughs> so graciously, I, I, I'm not going to fight this anymore. It is time for others to, to go on. To pass the bald cap on. Now he'll be the president. <laughs> he'll just play the president. I'll, play, I'll have to play Franklin FDR. He's in a wheelchair, so this makes it easy. Um, but yes, so I won't tell you how I know about that, but... But, but I'm just just to you folks out there. I just need to know I am watching. Is there a newsletter about this? <laughs> I am watching. Who, I a where is where is David not playing Daddy Warbucks today? <laughs> so getting back to my point. <laughs> but yes, oh, oh, get worry. <laughs> yeah. How yes. do we attract? I don't know. Thank you for that insightful. Uh, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> and just to, to do right deep into the issues. Some and sometimes the answer is I don't know. Yeah. Um. All we can do is try. But but to my my question is, are we, again, are we always welcoming? Um, and I think that's another problem that the groups have to grapple with. It's like, if you're going to let people in, you got to let people in. And that does unfortunately mean sometimes saying, you know, you can't cast the same folks. Right. Um, but it's a catch-22, as, as, as they would say, because sometimes it's like, okay, but nobody's coming in, to, so we don't cast the, you know, thing I mentioned before, um, all of us have been in multiple shows, you know, when, when it's the point of it, it's like, why does that guy look familiar? I don't know, he's in every freaking show they do, um, which was said about me once, which is, oh, I, I don't think a compliment. <laughs> but, but, it, but it's like, but yeah, why is that? Where, where's the rest of the people coming in? And, and to your other point, too, is, yeah, the kids will grow up. We don't know where they're going to end up. We're, we have to not, we got to get out of the mindset that if you're doing a youth theater program, because it's the same argument, frankly, I have with Sunday school and other things. You are not training these people to help grow your theater group or your church or whatever, because the reality is these kids are going to grow up, and most of them are going to move away. Right. You're helping the greater good of theater. Because mm-hmm. as you were saying earlier, you don't know where they'll land. Now, you know, um, maybe it's in Nashville doing a children's theater. Um, maybe it's, you know, uh, I think I've told the story before where I've heard the producer of uh, Hamilton started out as stagecrafters in Royal Oak. You know, it's like you don't know where they're going to end up, but they, they, you got to let them go. You just got to get out of the idea that somehow, because we do shows with kids, that our own membership is going to swell and we're suddenly going to have a lot of support. We're serving a greater good here. And it's not about helping our group grow. It may not hurt it. You know, ticket sales, grand, grandparents and aunts and uncles, you know, that what a wonderful thing to sell to. But here. Okay. Um, so I remember that when we did Mary Poppins, we had plenty of younger people involved. So is it just that they prefer the musicals? Or because Spotlight Studio does do such a great job, is, is there some misguided conception that the young people are only going to find something that works for them at spotlight 
versus community players or what is it? I just, you know, I just think back on all the kids I worked with in theater who loved it so much and were so interested in both on stage and behind stage that I'm just like, well, where, where are they? What happened to them? And so that's, that's my question. Are they just too busy having lives? lives? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not to be rude about it, but but you're right. You're right. Building careers and having kids and you know, all that kind of stuff. Memories of doing, having fun. So hopefully when their children, Hopefully, when their children are old enough to become involved, they would consider joining that team of being on a, a show, and they would remember the good times they had with you, and then encourage their their kids to participate when their time comes. That could be too. So yes, so, so it's kind of a metaphorical batting order. We're, all, we're trying to help. You, we're trying just, to help. Everybody's just throwing pitches across the plate, and I'm just letting them go. I tell you. Okay. Wow. Now that one <laughs> sailed over my head. I, I don't understand. Not even swinging. Okay. It, i got to get a baseball reference in. So, oh, that's his running um, gag. That came out of left that's field. That's his running gag. So let's see. So, Woo! Thank you. Go. Thank so, you. He missed for, it. Yeah. Um, and I had one on the tip of my tongue, and I can't remember what it was going to be now. Um, huh. Yeah. I, I, so Is it lost in the weeds? Yeah. I, it's went over the fence. Foul. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Sun got in your eyes. Yeah. And I, for those of you who heard a dinging noise in the background, our, our erstwhile groupie Brian has been saying, how's it going? Have you checking in? So it's like, Brian, we're recording. Just <laughs> leave us alone. <laughs> this microphone doesn't work now. Come over here and fix yes. it. Come over here. Get off your, get off your, de- your, germs need you off your deathbed. You yeah. need to come, come, come fix this. Just start spraying light. So, so happy to report go. he's feeling better. Yay, we love Yay. you, Brian. Yay, love, you, Brian. love you, Brian. He's still, He's still with, with us. us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Still with us <laughs> for the moment. <laughs> we'll just Ooh. keep him on deck for now. Yes. Oh, there we go. Okay, so Ron's now upset because, you know, we took his bit. So. No, 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 no. I just, I'm I can't. I, you're trying to help me out here, and I just can't. <laughs> I can't. All right, let's stop helping. Okay. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Wise words. Could it be performance anxiety? But but that's a that's another. Anyways. <laughs> oh yeah, let's go into that. One. Yeah, no, let's not. Anyways. Well, you're talking about on stage, right? On stage fright. Obviously. Absolutely. What else would it be? That's the ultimate uh, performance anxiety. Uh, mm-hmm. well, you know the way things are nowadays. You got to watch what you say. Somebody might come around and slap you. So. Uh, oh, Bob. <laughs> it Violence was is joke. never the answer. Andy Kaufman did it better. He did. Okay, okay, okay. We we'll, we can talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> as 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 we're recording this, the night before, of course, was the annual Oscars. Um, I shouldn't say of course, but it was the annual Oscars, and uh, Will Smith, of course, as you probably know and have already forgotten by the time this airs, <laughs> uh, slapped Chris Rock uh, for insulting his wife, who has a, an autoimmune disorder, um, which causes her hair to fall out, and and it was an inappropriate joke. And uh, some of us in this room happen to think that, okay, maybe the folks, producers of the Oscars didn't know about it, but I think both Chris Rock and Will Smith knew about it. And, and it just seemed too staged and too convenient to me. But everything is, uh, you know, he did win an Oscar for, you know, best performer after all. Yeah, but uh, Chris Rock was literally speechless. And then when he went back to trying to present the award that he was trying to present, he messed it all up. He kept saying the wrong thing. He was clearly shook hmm. 
I don't think it was a bit at all. I didn't see the rest of it, so. Oh. Yeah, no, I, and I, I have a, a huge problem with how people have reacted and taken Will Smith's side on this because I, I, I'm sorry, but there's one line that doesn't get crossed in comedy, and that's going after someone's children. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it is all fair game. I'm sorry, and especially including the Smiths' uh, marital status and the way Jada happens to put their entire world on on YouTube and the Internet. You know, I I don't really necessarily think that should be enough to get him riled up. But anyways, but I would also say that, you know, do some research, folks, and and look up Don Rickles and look at some of the the stuff that he said about Frank Sinatra, who could have had him rubbed out on stage. Mm -hmm. Allegedly. Um, There's also a few... um, Instances where he was on the Tonight Show, and he did a whole bit about Johnny Carson's ex-wives, and also made comments on how Ed McMahon was dating a woman who was much younger than him, and made comments about how she he met her at the candy store, and nobody said anything. They all just laughed. And I don't want to get into the whole "the world is soft" situation, but it's comedy, and if you can't laugh at this, then you know I'm I'm sorry. And I honestly think he made a bigger fool of himself with his acceptance speech than anything else. Agreed. Because when you go up there and you're blubbering and crying and talking about being a vessel of love and what God has told you to do, well, God lets you go up on stage and slap somebody in front of 50 million people, but whatever. I, it's just, I, like you said, by the time this podcast comes out, no one will ever remember it, but it's just annoying to me that everybody's jumping to, to his defense, but yet it, just because people like him. But there was a president who nobody liked, but everybody made jokes about his hand size and about what other things looked like, and everybody thought that was all funny and all fun and games, and it was great because we didn't like the guy. But everybody likes Will Smith, so you can't make any, make any jokes. That's all I'm going to say. Well, the, the joke, if Chris Rock knew that her hairstyle or lack thereof was not a choice, if he knew that it was due to alopecia as opposed to just a style choice, he shouldn't have done it. Because that's not something you can, you know, whatever, something you can control. Not that I am particularly invested in all the celebrity gossip, but I didn't know that she had this issue. I have a very good friend who has alopecia, so it's something that I would remember if I had heard it. So maybe Chris Rock didn't know anything about it and thought it was just a style choice, in which case it's perfectly fine. But no matter what the circumstances are, for Will Smith, to react the way he did was completely inappropriate on so many levels. Agreed. So many levels. Not just that it was a violent reaction to a comment, but it's a, it's a, it's a clear example of toxic masculinity because he's, he's acting as though Jada is his property, so he has to defend her or defend it, as opposed to letting her react as she wanted. If somebody insulted me and my husband reacted like that, I would be very unhappy just because I can speak for myself. And if I am upset about it enough to really want to make something known, I will handle it. Do not feel like you're my keeper and you have to handle it for me. I thought it was very disrespectful to Jada that he reacted in that way. And I also feel sorry for the Williams sisters because this should have been an opportunity for the, for the world to recognize their story as it was told. But yet, instead of talking about them, they're talking about this. Yep. So that's, that also which, put them in a very uncomfortable me, but, situation. You know, I'm cynical enough to say that you know, 
there's nothing real anymore on television, including yeah. including slaps. Yeah. Because part of me says, well, if he was really mad, I don't think it would have been a slap. And other things, I think it would have been taken care of backstage. Right. right. And, okay, let's say it was a setup. Still inappropriate. Yes. Oh, you yeah, know? if it's a setup, it's if it's setup, it's even worse. Worth. Yeah. 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 It's and I worse. mean, it's still, it. and if it was a setup, I could just about guarantee that J.D. did know about it. That, well, like I say, I don't know who would have known about it except Chris and Will. Yeah, but the only thing is... I don't think it was, though, just for the record. We'll never know the truth. Right. That's true. Uh, certainly not in Monroe. <laughs> right. And I'll Are try they going to listen to our opinions from Monroe telling two of the biggest... Yeah. Well, there are two big ones. So let's just put it that way. Yeah. I'll try not to let it affect my life. Well, Chris Rock, when you, when you listen to this podcast, just know... Yeah. I got your back, pal. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. We won't say anything about when you put that transitional person in the back of your car. Thank you. And this is a good point to remind people <laughs> that the <laughs> that views, and, the views and opinions expressed on this show are not the views and opinions of Monroe Community I say players, it was love. And yeah. the hockey puck. Impact or its affiliates. <laughs> they are that, those, those, of, those of us who speaking only. Uh, so. Brian, just cut. <laughs> like a drunken tailor, cut all of this. Don't even measure, just cut twice. Yeah, cut twice. Holy moly. Okay. <laughs> so, most part, this was a very interesting discussion. And I hope it, it, yes. it fuels come yeah. to some discussions Absolutely. at, uh, at uh, your community theater groups as well. Uh, but it does look like we're running out of time for this episode, so I'd like to thank everybody for listening, as we do appreciate each and every one of you, and we want to hear from you folks. Um, oh, yeah. There's more Groupies Fun on our MCP podcast page on Facebook. Um, the Check out the Monroe Community Players on our Facebook page, our website at MonroeCommunityPlayers.org. Um, email us your thoughts, your comments. Yeah, we'll still say that. Email us your thoughts and comments on this or any other episode to MonroeCommunityPlayers at Yahoo.com. And be sure to let us know if it's okay to read your email on the podcast. And I thought we would start something new, and this is going to be a little difficult. Surprise! Surprise. I got a question for the audience today that, that when this airs, we'll also post on the Facebook page because we, we don't post enough on the Facebook page. Um, what was your first play, and was it at a school or a community theater? I bet we get some exciting answers on that. Mm. Um, or was it something else? But yeah, let us know what your first play was. Um, we'll oh, read them. Them. The, yeah, we've the we've already talked about our first play. Oh, I was going to say, this is all the people out there in podcast land. You know, we'll, we'll randomly select one to win a mug. Uh, and people want those mugs. They do. I've, I've seen them lined up one too deep. <laughs> Some days to get the mugs when they remember that we still have plenty in stock. <laughs> so, thanks again, folks. Um, the Art and Business Community Theater has been a production of Monroe Community Players and was recorded high atop the Benish Building in Monroe Public Access Cable Television Podcast Studio in beautiful downtown Monroe, Michigan. We are the Groupies. See you in the green room. Thank you.